Three, two, one. Welcome. It is a new year and a new burn after pitching. Bye bye, 2020. Welcome to a whole new year of pitching goodness. Today, for our inaugural 2021 show, we have, as usual, Michael Tanner. Hello. And returning guest, Devin Michaels. Hi there. Hey. Uh, and for newcomers or people who just need a little brushing up, Burn After Pitching is a pitching podcast where we come up with our take on both a, a pitch that we have worked out ahead of time and a special surprise pitch that we have not worked out at ahead of time because we don't know. But first, everyone, how was your holiday? Uh, Michael, would you like to go first? Yeah, my uh, my holiday season, we'll call it, was uh, it was pretty good. It was, um, yeah, there's a lot of cooking prime rib, bacon cookies. We we actually, my wife and I, we baked a lot of cookies and made nut brittle and a bunch of uh, different goodies safely, sterilely, and we delivered them socially distanced to friends around the uh, greater Los Angeles area. Uh, and no one's gotten sick yet, so I guess we did it all right. We also made a lot of ribs and a lot of cookies. So almost the same, minus minus both the nut brittle and the part where we share it with other people. Yeah, Devin, how about you? How was your how was your holiday break, solstice yeah. slash Hanukkah slash whatever been? There's definitely a common a common thread here that uh, revolves around <laughs> food. The one thing yes. we can all still do, or I I suppose need to do, uh, <laughs> no matter what's going on. I I've been cooking yes. up a storm. I mean. All of last year, I've been cooking up a storm, but in particular for the holidays, I was doing things I do not, well, things I have never done before. Kelly, my girlfriend, had uh, had me doing um, things from her childhood that she remembered from the holidays. I, I was I was stuffing oh. a, a, I forget what I stuffed. I stuffed a couple of game hens. I, I stuffed a, a, a beef tenderloin with goat cheese and mushrooms. All 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 hell broke loose. I didn't even know you could stuff a tenderloin. I, I made it happen. <laughs> cool. Good for you. No, I had this. I actually I found this new uh, butcher nearby who um, who like put the pocket into it for me. He cut a pocket into it, so made it. Oh, that's so nice. Like, yeah. When I lived in Seattle, we had a, a butcher who um, his butcher shop was nearby. And occasionally, because one of my roommates was a chef, so he knew what he was doing when he went to a butcher, um, where... Now, if I if I found a good butcher, I would not really know how to, you know, exploit that uh, resource well enough to be like, I don't know, give me, give, just give me some meat, give me some meat that looks good, maybe put a pocket in it. That would be as <laughs> much as I could do. It's true. It's I love this meat, even... but could you install an orifice for me? <laughs> no, he even um, uh, it's something that doesn't happen at the grocery store. You know, he even um, dissuaded me from getting the salmon fillet. In addition to that, uh, he's like, no, 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 no. You, you want the sea bass. I'm like, what's wrong with salmon fillets? (laughs) Apparently he, he was not proud of his salmon fillets that day. Oh, I see. He was steering you away. Okay. He was just, I thought that was just some general, like, no, December is not a fish month, but yeah, (laughs) you don't want a December salmon. December salmon (laughs) are are no good. (laughs) They're all exhausted from swimming upstream. It's it's (laughs) awful. It's a thing. It's a thing. 
All right. Well, let's jump into it. Although, uh, uh, shoot, I think we might need to wait for Tyler for our special surprise. Or, here? I don't know, we Pretty... could do some editing magic Sorry? and paired pitch first. Although, wait, oh, no, I think we're not... uh, no, I, I'm here. I apologize. Cool, I thought, cool. I you guys... It's okay. We'll just cut that part out. Oh, you're fine. No, well, I'm keeping it in. No cuts in 2021. We are, every episode is straight through. That's my new, oh, new Year's no. resolution. All right. Oh, well, no, I thought we were going to warm up with the surprise pitch, which, of course, as pitchers, we don't know. I, I was hoping for 10 more minutes of brewing. Um, okay, oh. so. Okay. Um, well, you guys, I just got off the phone with uh, with the heads of Nickelodeon, and Nickelodeon absolutely want to bring back Avatar The Last Airbender so yeah, badly for a, new, for a New Year's special. How would you bring back Avatar The Last Airbender for a New Year special? Oh, you, okay. I hope you guys have seen the show. If not, I can t- I, can t- I can say a different one. I've literally watched three episodes of it. Okay. Evan, are you a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender? I've never seen it. Okay. I assumed everybody... I will do a different surprise pitch then. Um, okay. No. Trying to think of I uh, Let's see. Okay, so you guys, everybody is away from each other. Nobody can really be with a lot of other friends and stuff. And there's a lot of things that people do as rituals to welcome in the new year. Kissing, parting it up, getting drunk, getting plastered. But we need something that is a little bit more social distancing and yet fun. What is our? What is your new New Year's ritual to welcome in the new year? So for a pandemic time, what is a socially distanced, safe, New New Year's tradition that could be started, a ritual. I think we found out that it's it's mostly airborne, so you don't need to worry about objects carrying the disease so much. So as long as we're outside in a big field, it is okay to exchange presents, but you don't want to get too close. So me for New Year's, I mean, Christmas, Christmas morning, you get to exchange it all with your family, everybody in the pod. But for New Year's, you need to get the uh, the present cannon, or maybe like a present, one of those high tech slingshots that it takes three people to launch, and you you know you get out in a field with participants. Please, nothing that could harm someone if they get hit in the head with it, but you essentially launch your presents at one another. So for a few brief minutes before the new year rings in, it will be raining presents. Uh, I think this would be a great tradition, provided nobody gets concussed. So that's mine. The present, the present slingshot, gift slingshot. I don't know. I'm still workshopping the name. I was thinking present cannon, but slingshots are better than cannons. And that's it for me. Uh, Michael, what are you thinking for a new socially distant New Year's Eve or New Year's? Okay. So in a way to kind of keep it still romantic, you know, that like kiss at midnight, you know, it's what you're doing at midnight is, um, you know, like what you'll be doing throughout the year, they say. So since, you know, like I, I can't, I am happily married and love that I've been able to shelter in place, stay at home with a dog and a loving wife. I can't imagine how hard it is for single people who have had to, you know, be alone. Um, So, I and I know I know like people still kind of date like now it's weird but this is for yeah. to keep that kind oh. of romance is that it's called parking lot parlay and you invite someone to meet you in a parking lot at the stroke of midnight <laughs> and you park your cars next to each other and you each like kind of get out 
like uh, Dukes of Hazard style, uh, like leaning, crawling out of your like driver's side window, um, and you kind of just like talk over your cars. And you have this, it kind of like a kind of a date night, but you're like in an open air space in a parking lot because there's lots of open space that feels like a good location to do this. And then at the stroke of midnight, both parties want to, are to to kind of show that this is a romantic pairing and what they want to do through the rest of the year. And also if they live in a, a large city with traffic is they both honk their horns at the same moment at the stroke of midnight. And that being in sync, honking their horns is like the equivalent of a COVID kiss on new year's. That's a new tradition and ritual that I think should, should, uh, should start. Should we never leave this endless nightmare? That is uh, the current state. (laughs) I like it because it also replaces the fireworks, which we're not supposed to be doing. And yet, if you live in LA, you will find out quite a few people did. Anyways. Oh yes, I know quite a few. My neighbors yeah, wanted well, to celebrate seven thirty, eight forty-five, nine o five, nine ten, nine fifteen, uh, eleven thirty, and also midnight <laughs> through four a.m. on New Year's. Lots of celebration going on. Why don't we have this virus under control yet? I- don't understand it. <laughs> I wish I could understand. Uh, okay, pretty good. So we got the the COVID. What is the parlay? What is it? Drive through parlay. parlay. I okay, parlay, not parlor. That's different. And then Devin, what do you have? Well, I like those very much. Um, mine is uh, is considerably uh, quieter and uh, and and smaller and more intimate um by by design um i one of my oldest friends has a ritual that she's been doing for years on new year's which always sounded kind of antisocial to me um i understood why she did it and i said okay that's you know that's your thing but what what she's been doing for years is she is always by herself on new year's and um is just takes a warm bath a hot bath by herself Always at the stroke of midnight, she is in the tub at midnight by herself in a hot tub. So I was thinking, given our new circumstances, maybe take the the beauty of that moment and 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 bring it to to the the social ways that that I prefer and combine the two because now, of course, we've all grown very uh, very accustomed to zooms and Facebook times and and all the rest um mostly those two and um, and so i think if we could all decide if if we are going to be in this um for more years that um at the stroke of midnight we are all in our respective bathtubs naked just like the new year's baby just like uh, the rankin and bass new year's baby <laughs> um and so we're all you know coming into the into the new year sort of with that purity of the New Year's baby in our birthday suits, um, but also connecting via our uh, our devices uh, at that moment. That's really beautiful. So wait, you're you're, you're on your phone. <laughs> that just sounds yeah. wonderful. Like, no. there's like there's a spiritual quality to it. Like we're just like entering. We're we're just completely embracing. Just what what are we anyway? And we're yeah. just these bodies and minds and let's have our bodies be separate because they need to be 
and let's be in the cleanest place we can be, which is in the tub. And then let's also still be trying to connect our brains as best we can. I legitimately love that. I think yeah. I'm going to do that next year. <laughs> yeah, true. Audio only, but yes. I have <laughs> pure visuals. It's going to be candlelit. <laughs> you can't really see. Hey, man, I don't mind. As long as it's consensual. <laughs> it, 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 that, that can be yeah that can be optional um you know if it's if it's friendships we we keep it audio only and uh if it's the single people then yeah they they can do whatever they must <laughs> yeah no judgment <laughs> okay well hey uh <laughs> realizing this advice for if one year from now we're still in the same pickle which I hope not, but hey, you never know. So, hey, here are three ideas to survive a pandemic New Year's. By the way, if you've got a better idea, hey, don't worry, but share it with us. And please use the hashtag burning pitch so that we will know other ways to have fun safely on New Year's. And now I would like to move on to part two, our main event, the pitch for today. We all love a movie with a great twist. Psycho, Sixth Sense, uh, Panther Panchali, they're all amazing. But what if we twist the twist? For today's episode, take a movie with a well-known twist and change it and follow the movie from there. So, first up, I hope it's okay, I'm going to put Michael on the spot. Please share with us your twist on a twist. I am happy to go first. So I'm glad you mentioned it because I believe one of the best movie twists, and it's often forgotten that this is a twist, is in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Um, oh, yeah. Because people tend to forget what the first half hour of that movie is about, it has very little to do with the rest of the motion picture. Um, so I'm gonna. So I wrote out my outline. It starts out where I literally just cribbed from the Wikipedia plot outline, and and I'll let you know once we. Once, once we switch to my twist of a twist. Uh, okay, okay, so I think oh. you might be going for a different twist than I was thinking you. Were. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. So, during a lunchtime tryst in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, real estate secretary secretary Marion Crane and her boyfriend Sam Loomis discuss how they cannot afford to get married because of Sam's debts. After lunch, Marion returns to work, where a client leaves a $40,000 cash payment on a property. Marion's boss asks her to deposit the money in the bank and allows her to leave early after she complains of a headache. Once home, she decides to steal the money and drive to Sam's home in Fairville, Fairvale, California. En route to Fairvale, Marion stops her car on the side of the road and falls asleep. She's awakened the next morning by a California Highway Patrol officer. Suspicious of her nervous behavior, the officer allows her to continue on. Uh, Marion makes it uh, to Bakersfield, where she trades in her car, which has Arizona license plates, for another car with California plates. The officer eyes her suspiciously as she drives away. During a rainstorm, Marion stops for the night at the Bates Motel and hides the stolen money inside a newspaper. The proprietor, Norman Bates, invites her for dinner after check-in. She accepts his invitation, but overhears an, agree an argument. An agreement. She overhears an argument between Norman and his mother about bringing a woman into their home, which sits perched above the above the motel. Instead, they eat in the motel parlor, where he tells her about his life with his mother, who is mentally ill, and forbids him to have a life apart from her. Affected by Norman's story, Marion 
decides to continue to Fairvale to meet up with her lover, Sam. Here's where we have diverged, as we all know. In the movie, Marion takes a shower, and she's murdered in the shower by Norman, dressed as his mother. The movie then becomes about Marion's sister and her boyfriend, Sam, investigating, trying to find out what happened to Marion. In this twist, Marion has left the, the motel and continues to Fairville to meet her lover, Sam. Arriving there, she discovers that while Sam claimed to be divorced, he was still, in fact, married. So now is our psycho story a woman wronged picture? Let's find out. Marion, in a fit of rage, vandalizes Sam's hardware store. It's established that he runs a hardware store. Depressed and emotional, she calls her sister. From her sister, she learns that Marion is now a, is wanted for embezzlement and can't go home. She decides to use her money to start a new life, but not before destroying Sam's. She lets Sam know she's in town and wants to meet. He pretends to be excited to see her, but, aw, shucks, he had a business dinner scheduled. Marion goes to Sam's house and spies on him, assuming he begged off seeing her so he could spend time with his family. She is shocked when Sam leaves. While tailing Sam, she notices some very odd behavior on his part, which leads her to suspect that that he may yet have another woman on the side. When Sam meets up with another man, Marion is relieved until Sam and the man leave together. She trails them to a motel. The two men go inside a room together and Marion rushes up to listen through the door. She hears the sounds of what she thinks is a struggle and peeks through the curtains where she sees Sam murdering the man. She then sees him searching the room until he finds a briefcase full of money. Shocked, Marion hurries her car, but while she's leaving the motel, she is spotted by Sam. Trying to have her lover, who she just saw murder someone, she decides her best course of action is to return home and turn herself in. Reasoning she can beg for mercy, as she must have been manipulated by her lover, this awful murderer, Sam Loomis. After the long day's drive, she decides to stop at the Bates Motel again. She tells Norman everything that happened, including Sam being a murderer. He promises to protect her. She retires to her room, but she can hear Norman arguing with his mother. Next morning, she decides to take a shower. While in the shower, the door of her her hotel room opens and a dark figure enters. The shower curtain is pulled back and is revealed to be Sam. As he's about to stab her, Norman enters and tackles him. The two struggle until Norman kills Sam. Marion is quite traumatized and wonders aloud how Sam found her. Norman confesses that his mother must have gotten Sam's information and called him. The local police arrive and arrest Marion, although they do call Norman a hero for saving her. They also show some surprise at Norman having killed the man in self-defense because normally Norman seems like he wouldn't hurt a fly. The end. Hey, yes. When you mentioned psycho, I thought it was going to be a different twist that, you know, Norman's mother is dead. Ah, yes. I went for the original twist is that the movie is not about the main character. the, The main character you meet for the first 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, that's your double twist. I'm trying, I'm trying to think. Can I think of any movie with a twist ending prior to Psycho? Did Psycho invent the twist ending? You know, I meant to Google that. I, I feel like it might be the first time where it was such. It actually was like a twist twist, not like a reveal of yeah. information that was held back, but of like um, new information being introduced or a major change based on like one simple thing. So yeah, it, it might be the first movie with what we'd identify as a twist. And it had two. 
Excellent. And I okay. and I am open to anyone tweeting at us if we're wrong at burnpitching at twitter.com. <laughs> cool. Burning pitch. Burn, well, uh, we're at burn pitching, and I'm trying to get the hashtag burning pitch. Although, shoot, maybe that's too complicated. Maybe everything should be burn pitch. I don't know. Do something. We'll figure it out. We'll find it. That's the twist. <laughs> yes, that's the twist. Excellent. Excellent. I'm trying to think anything to add. I don't, I don't know. I like... Uh, I thought you were going with a different uh, different direction with the uh, the the two men. But, yeah, uh, I, that was a kind of a purposeful. I feel like that's very uh, like Hitchcock would do that, where like oh, like oh, I see where this is going. Like oh no, is Sam is Sam is a murderer. He is a murderer too. We're all murderers. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. Uh well, let's see. Yes, any if if you can think of an earlier. Tw- comments or other twists you'd like to put on the twist for psycho yes please uh you can add us at at burn pitching or hashtag burning pitch and uh let's see i think let's see i'm trying to think if i should go next or Devin, would you like to go next oh i just wanted to first uh quickly uh uh compliment you on on that uh on that twist of a twist um just one little one little thought that that it reminded me of um uh I, I don't know who it was, but someone years ago uh, once said about Hitchcock films that pretty much every single Hitchcock story is uh, is about human beings, about all of us being doomed to uh, betrayal and heartbreak and uh, more to the point that all of us completely deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, Janet Lee's character in, in Psycho, um, you know, almost gets off too easy <laughs> you know, in the way <laughs> in the way the original film um, uh, portrays that twist. And so it's interesting that you've uh, extended it through the through the entire narrative. Uh, I, I find that really compelling. Yeah. Well, I also know it's what is it? The classic uh, conundrum for a good thriller is why don't they just go to the cops, you know? And, and uh, this, it's, it's really going, you know, she can't go to the cops because she just embezzled $40,000. So she's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a classic mm-hmm. thriller situation. So yeah, yeah. good way to sort of solve the, the, what is it? The central problem with uh, uh, formulating a good thriller. If Woody had okay, just gone straight I... to the police. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> straight to the police. I want you to investigate this and nothing else. <laughs> I think that'll work. Okay, cool. Well, I will jump in uh, because I don't know. We were discussing whether or not this counts as a twist or a Deus Ex Machina, but I always thought it was kind of a weird twist in Jurassic Park. Uh, Jurassic Park, it's very much the second half of the movie is can the humans outsmart the raptors? And it was interesting. They, they don't really comment on it, but the resolution of the movie is no, they can't. They only survive because the T Rex shows up. Uh, so I don't know. I wanted to take that and give it a little twist. So it's going to be Jurassic Park until the end. And there's no twist. The T-Rex does not show up, but there's a different twist because the Raptors attack Hammond, tear him apart, revealing not flesh and bone, but wires and tubes. And what Dr. Grant, Statler and Malcolm all figure out is they are not visitors at Jurassic Park. They are part of the attraction. They are sophisticated androids in a high-tech feature theme park that is designed to give humans the adventure of outrunning dinosaurs in a theme park attraction run amok. 
except there haven't been humans. They figure out they've been like just in this cycle over and over, constantly recreated after the dinosaurs eat them because the humans are missing. So now they have to figure out what happens. Well, they because they know what's going on, they're able to escape the Jurassic Park theme park to find themselves not in the outside world. Oh, no, no. They are in an Old West theme park populated by androids. It's Westworld, which also means we are now in the expanded Michael Crichton cinematic universe. So I'm thinking that this is a trilogy. The next one, it's them in the West. Unfortunately, when they escape the theme park, it triggers a failsafe. So now all of the androids and the dinosaurs are after them. So Grant, Statler, Malcolm, and the rest, they have to convince some of the cowboys to essentially not listen to their programming, listen to their sense of right and wrong, and help them escape. And they do, and they fight the bad robots, they fight the dinosaurs, and they're about to escape when one of, when, uh, one of the bad cowboys shoots Malcolm. And it turns out he's human. We've thought everybody was androids, but it turns out Dr. Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum, the oddest one of the bunch, is in fact the only human. And he reveals the reason no humans have come to the theme park is because this theme park is its own self-contained ecosystem. And it is the only place possibly on Earth that is safe because Earth has been ravaged by an extraterrestrial plague known as the Andromeda Strain. So now we got Jurassic Park, Westworld, and the Andromeda Strain. So part three is the military coming over to take the take over the theme park. And they could coexist, but the military, being the military, figures, nah, who cares about these androids? We're going to just kill them all with this kill switch. You know, they 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 figure they get into the command center, they'll just flip the fail space and just destroy all the androids. And there's not a lot the androids can do about it. But they're very fortunate because among the military, the military with the futuristic plague still needed doctors. So along the way, they, in fact, uh, what do you call it, commissioned, essentially shanghai a bunch of young, idealistic ER doctors from Chicago County General. Yes, it's the cast of ER. ER has been captured by the military and forced to be the medical staff for the evil military that's trying to take over Westworld. Now, of course, uh, our, our young, idealistic doctors, you know, we got uh, Dr. Benton. Oh, God, it's been so long. Dr. Benton, the Noah Wiley, the Anthony Edwards, all those guys. They realize that these androids, they deserve to live too. So the doctors of ER team up with the androids and stop the military from killing everyone. Unfortunately, the military is like, okay, we'll do it the old-fashioned way. We got a bunch of machine guns and stuff. So now, how to defeat the military? Well, they still have the dinosaurs. If only they had some people who were trained to, like, run, how should I put it, to run animals, to do, like, a, a cattle drive, but with dinosaurs. Well, they do. They have the cowboys. So the scientists from Jurassic Park team up with the cowboys from Westworld and the doctors from ER to create a dinosaur stampede that's going to take care of the evil military, defeat the evil military, and now the good humans and the androids can live in peace inside their little uh, sealed ecosystem while the plague ravages, the Andromeda strain ravages outside. So that is my pitch for a trilogy of Michael Crichton cinematic universe movie. Wow. Not what I expected. Not what I expected <laughs> at all. Uh, wowza. I, I do. I will throw out this pitch. I think you can wrap it up at the end where they decide that the current world is no place for dinosaurs, even like robot dinosaurs. So they have to use time travel technology 
from <laughs> Michael Crichton's timeline, and they send the dinosaurs back in time to the actual Jurassic Age to get rid of. Them. But so suppose they, the robot, suppose the clone dinosaurs. Well, actually, is it clone dinosaurs or robot dinosaurs? That's true. Like, let's make it clone dinosaurs clones. so we can send them back in time. Yeah, that's true. That can be part four. If we get a mechanical dinosaurs, it could be the the cycle is that they're sent back in time, and then their the remains of the robot dinosaurs are found, and that's what the basis of how how humans get the technology to build the uh, the robot dinosaurs <laughs> in the first place. Little little Terminator. Yeah, also a Planet of the Apes, other famous movie, Time Loop there. I thought about also integrating Rising Sun, but then I was like, maybe the best way to honor Michael Crichton's memory is to not use Rising Sun. uh, Yeah, the product of its time. I I was just going to say, I I wonder if, if, Andy, if you should get a COVID test because of the fever dream that that must have led to that idea. Um, but, (laughs) uh, But I like it. Super fun. Are you going to say I've lost my sense of taste as well? <laughs> I think your oxygen Never. levels might have been affected. <laughs> I know. Well, it's sort of the classic desperate pitch where if you can't figure out something good, just give them more. <laughs> Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's your oxygen levels were too high. Yeah, that's true. Because, uh, yeah, because it's uh, nobody else is outdoors. My Los Angeles lungs is just not used to all this fresh air. Yeah. I would say if HBO's Westworld were uh, a more fun show, Uh uh, I could definitely see them. Because they already did the Easter egg of Game of Thrones being one of the the worlds in Westworld. I would have loved to have seen them do something with dinosaurs are part of the Westworld Park franchise. Just so we could see cowboys and dinosaurs. Oh, I didn't know they did the Game of Thrones. I knew there was one more theme park they hadn't mentioned. They yeah. it was that Easter egg of in the kind of lab where you see the scientists like working on the um the hosts or the ga- the hosts. Um, yeah, the hosts. you see uh the the two guys behind Game of Thrones. Um uh ben- Weiss and ben- Benioff. Yeah, yeah. You see them as technicians and they're working on one of the dragons from the show. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. I, I, that's a show. I, I was thinking more of the movie, but I keep meaning to watch the show. Although I hear, I heard the latest season is just like it just completely falls off the rails. I think the third season is way better than the second season, which I think the second season is legitimately bad television. Oh, interesting. Um, the third, that third season, season that's is the one a with little... Aaron Paul, right? Oop, did we lose someone? I'm here. Okay, Michael, do we still have you? Uh-oh, we might have lost Michael. Uh, shooting Tyler, it looks like Tyler stepped away. Uh, Tyler, yeah. do we still have oh, Michael? No, I'm here. I'm sorry. No worries. No, yeah, he was he was going robotic for a little bit, so if he does come back, he needs to say the set, the whole thing over again, I think. Well, uh, shoot. Yeah. Uh, so we've had the, uh, the twist, the first twist, not the second twist of Psycho, and a twist that leads into a whole trilogy. Uh, Devin, what do you have for your twist on a twist? Well, I'm loving the fact that we have accidentally stumbled upon a, uh, a chronological uh, set of choices, um, as as mine is the most recent film that uh, is getting retwisted. Ah. Um, I'm, I was almost hesitate. I was I was almost hesitant to uh, choose this uh, this film because of how recent it is. I feared that it might be 
still within the statute of limitations of spoiler alerts. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I, it just kept coming back to me and uh, almost like a fever dream that would cause a Jurassic Park Westworld, uh, you know, crossover with ER. Um, it kept coming back to me. And so I, I went with um, changing fundamentally the ending of the film Hereditary from 2018. <laughs> I, I think it, it, it's a film that you, you may have already heard is is um, is so intense in its um, kind of theater of cruelty approach to storytelling um, that even if you know some of the ins and outs of the plot, it probably will not make it any easier on you to watch. <laughs> so, well, Hitchcock would say we are destined to be spoiled, and we. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting because, uh, uh, well, I'm going to start with um, with uh, with the the basic summary of of how the film generally begins um, and and uh, continues into the, into the second act, which is um, just borrowed here from IMDb. Um, when her mentally ill mother passes away, Annie, played by Tony Collette, her husband Gabriel Byrne, son Alex Wolf, and daughter Millie Shapiro all mourn her loss. The family turned to different means to handle their grief, including Annie and her daughter both flirting with the supernatural. They each begin to have disturbing otherworldly experiences linked to the sinister secrets and emotional trauma that have been passed through the generations of their family. Now, what I, what I decided about this film, because it was, quite frankly, it was, it was my favorite film of 2018. And I am not a horror film fan, generally. Um, but to me, uh, the reason, and it was still my favorite film of 2018, despite the fact that I really thought the ending should be different. Um, the real strength of the film, to me, lies in its kaleidoscopic view of human grief. Um, the way we witness these harrowing events in these people's lives um, and the excruciatingly intimate reactions to those events uh, is what makes the story so powerful. Um, and so to me, the, the fact that the, the movie ends up kind of wrapping itself up with a, a neat bow uh, in terms of explaining pretty much all the events retroactively with uh, a good old-fashioned demonic possession that um, literally uh, explains all of these goings-on in this family, um, I, I feel that it would have been more, compa more compelling to instead have the character uh, played by Anne Dowd, um, who is, uh, she is um, the, uh, her, the character name is Joan. She meets Annie, Tony Collette, um, at her grief uh, support group. And she's a smaller character who just comes in and out and seems to know about things, seems to know about, about the family having, having certain hardships, but otherwise is just a friend at the support group who's, who's helping Annie through her grief. Um, I thought it would be more interesting if instead of it turning out to be that she's part of this coven of, 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 of demon worshipers um, and that all of it gets explained in the end by the teenage son being the new crowned king on earth that is the main supporter of this demon, um, that instead uh, it all ends up being 
explained by simple psychology. Um, because ultimately, um, in all of these ter terribly dark moments in these characters' lives um, could be chalked up to a combination of horrendous tragedy and, and bad luck combined with garden variety uh, anxiety and depression and, and, and other forms of mental illness just amped up to 11. Um, the, uh, the extreme events such as, again, spoiler alert, decapitation um, of, of the daughter um, in, the, in the traffic accident, um, you know, all of those things I think are much more potent as, um, as themes, as um, ideas about mind and body and this world versus the other world. Um, and who's to say what's real? What can we actually perceive without our five senses? Um, and that, that's more compelling to me. So I think if, if that character of Joan uh, came back, actually, I, I was surprised when you, when you brought up Psycho, uh, pleasantly surprised because uh, I was thinking that she would come back in the end uh, when they're discussing the eventual tragedies uh, at the end at the support group, that these smaller characters would get the same kind of explanation that we get from the psychiatrist at the end of Psycho, the, you know, the current ending of Psycho, um, that it all kind of goes back and gets explained in this um, psychological, psychiatric perspective. Um, and also, in a way, that wouldn't even take away from the possible interpretation that it is a demonic possession or something else supernatural going on because who's to say what's real right i mean none of us really knows we you know we could be agnostic we can be all these things but none of us truly know the the metaphysics of of the universe let alone you know or or humanity let alone the rest of the universe so so if we have some of these ideas in these old books that get brought up in this film of these demons and these certain types of demons that look like this or have this, this type of worshiper or that, um, the reason why some of, those, um, some of those demons keep coming back up and back up in certain people's worldview is simply because we all have the same wiring from, from hundreds of thousands of years of evolution we all have the same approximate wiring. And so all of these horrendous patterns of grief and abuse and mental illness that get passed down as per the title of the film itself in a hereditary way, that all of those things just end up boiling up or, or, or um, manifesting as um, images of something more supernatural, something that is like a, an actual demon, when they're really just our own inner demons, as it were. Um, and who's to say which is worse, especially when you watch a film like this and you look into the eyes of these characters who are experiencing such deep levels of suffering. Um, I think that that to me would be uh, an ending that would still keep keep many audience members perhaps suspecting it was possession, but instead of actually explaining it, let it be uh, up to interpretation. Okay. So were they inner demons or demons? It's up to you as the viewer. Uh, oh yeah, that's what I meant. It was rhetorical. 
<laughs> well, excellent. And uh, something to keep in mind as you are watching either Psycho or Hereditary or one of many, many of the Michael Crichton movies and TV shows. Uh, and as I, as I said before, uh, if you have been inspired by this to put a twist of your own on a famous twist, please let us know. We can be found on Twitter at, at @burnpitching, or you can use the hashtag burningpitch. But before we go, let me ask, uh, Devin, where can we find you? You know, probably I would guess, uh, uh, you know, not, what's the word, virtually, not not in real life because, you know, social distancing and everything. Yes, I am virtually accessible um, on Twitter and Instagram at Devin May Care. Um, and um, on IGTV, on Instagram, at Devin May Care, uh, you can find my almost weekly uh, vlog uh, that uh, is entitled Asked and Answered, um, which um, tends towards politics, but is not always about politics. And is just about me pontificating on uh, what, um, what truths we should all subscribe to uh, and agree to agree on rather than continuing the endless battles um, that have, <laughs> have become very, very troubling for many of us in this society. I believe it is also on Facebook, right? Because that's how my mom... Yes, it is also on Facebook, uh, Devin M. Schwartz. M is in Michael for the middle initial. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Michael, how about you? Are you available to tell us where we might find from the Tannerverse? And I have been your host, Andy Nordval. I do books, this podcast, uh, web comics. Everything can be found at andynordval.com, uh, including, oh, shoot, a new long-form interview with Kev Duffy of What's Your Random. Definitely check out What's Your Random or andynordval.com or Ask and Answered on IGTV or Facebook. And uh, feel free to add us at, at Burn Pitching. Or uh, if you have any new pitches to add, the hashtag burningpitch.com. And hey, thanks for listening. Check out our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. And check out our site, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for our articles, other shows, and more. You can stay updated from our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram. And our outro music is by Carlisle Laurent. So come and join the gathering. Have a great week and a great year. And GGG. Where am I? There's no burn after pitching podcast here. I've never been here before. Ah! It's not hot. What is this place? I know you. I know you too. No. No. Burn after pitch.